Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Into the Spotlight. I'm Ryan. And I'm Morley. And today's guests take us all the way back to the very beginning of Into the Spotlight. So if you remember back to episode 0, and if you didn't listen, you should go back because it was a great conversation. Um, Ryan and I went to a conference together back in November. And on the drive there, we were stuck in traffic and basically got the whole idea for this podcast in like, I don't know, 30 minutes stuck in Toronto traffic. And um, I think when you get that excited about an idea in such a short amount of time, you kind of know you have to act on it and that it has a bit of legs. So we kind of we got to this conference on a bit of a high with all the planning on our mind. And uh, I think right as we walked through the door, uh, we ran into two very interesting people that we immediately had a great conversation with. And uh, those two people are today's guests. So please welcome Stacey DuPont and Sandra Rizkala of Tableau Creative. Hey. Hey guys, thanks so much for coming on. It's funny, like we actually only met once for about half an hour, but uh, it's really cool that you're kind of on the podcast and you were there for the impetus of it, even if you didn't know at the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had no idea, but it's a pleasure and thank you so much for having us. We've come full, cir- full circle now. It's funny because I remember when we first met you guys, me and Morley were trying to figure out the name of the podcast. We're like, what's the name? we got to have a good name to this. That's to find a good ring to it. And how did you come up with the name? Uh, we wanted, well, we're first, we were, well, we were in the car, stuck in traffic, Toronto traffic, because all great ideas come from when you're stuck in traffic, of course. So we were trying to figure out, like, we wanted to be about, you know, putting people putting people's attention on different types of creators and artists from all different types of backgrounds so then we came up with this idea of like well if we just like if we're putting attention on them it's like putting a spotlight on someone so that's why we thought okay let's have a show that's devoted to putting a spotlight on cool awesome interesting individuals from all walks of life and learning about what they do no matter what it is that they do as long as they're passionate about it i think we had three original ideas and i think the second was out of the spotlight yes we're like no wait a second into the spotlight that's way better exactly I, I can't remember what the first one was i, I don't remember I either it's but well i don't know maybe it's not a bad thing since like we didn't <laughs> we didn't go forward with it but yeah i'm happy just, with where we are now yeah me too for sure and and turned out to be a good looking logo as well so yeah nice job <laughs> <A little laughs> <hat> on your back <laughs> hey i spent a lot of love love lunch hours on that logo <laughs> nice amazing it's beautiful so thank sandra you, and stacy um if you guys wouldn't mind, would you mind telling the audience a bit about what it is that you guys do and how you met? Because you, I mean, the conversation we had in, I don't know, 20 minutes or so at this conference, it sounds like you guys have a super interesting story. I'm really interested to hear it like from the beginning, like how you started this creative agency and, and your backgrounds and everything else. Yeah. Uh, do you want to start? Should I start? You can go ahead. Um, wh- where we met, we actually went to the same high school in Mississauga. Though we weren't really friends at the time, we kind of admired each other from afar because we were the two outcast weirdo MySpace scene girls with the full-on mullets and everything. Um, So we were always kind of, you know, unique individuals, if you will. Um, And we've always taken an interest in a lot of different art forms. So I was doing photography like straight out of the womb basically I always had a disposable camera on me Um, I started learning how to code when I was a kid too I was about 10 years old and those two loves kind of just came together 
and were my uh, professional pursuits for a while. So I studied web development in college and I was a front-end web developer for about seven years um, before I decided to quit my day job and freelance, which was, I mean, I had been freelancing before, but it was never something that I relied on as my sole source of income. So it was a little intimidating. And then Sandra just happened to quit her job around like a few weeks after. And I was like, well, her skills match perfectly with mine. So it just made sense to like, let's join forces and, and start something. Mm-hmm. So you can take it backwards yeah, from there. For sure. And me and Stacey always have a collaborative type of friendship. So when we were hanging out, it was never just spending time together. We were always working on something, uh, whether it was photo shoots or creating anything in general. We were just always up to something. We were about to start like our own clothing line. Yeah. That was a thing <laughs> at some ah. point. <laughs> we still hope to do that eventually when we can have more time to dedicate to that. But just because we just started our business less than a year ago, um, it is still requiring us to fully invest our time and effort in it. But it is definitely a pleasure, and we're so fortunate, especially during these times, we recognize how fortunate we really are to be able to work every day and help businesses, especially the type of businesses that we work with. They're all such amazing, conscious businesses. They're all doing good for people, so we're very grateful to be where we are today. Yeah, that's for sure. You missed your origin story, though. Oh, my origin story. So, yes, we did meet in high school. We never really spoke to each other in high school, but... um, yeah, we definitely did have a lot of things in common and fast forward to um, when I moved to Toronto, I was actually working as a brand and marketing manager at a high-end flooring company and I was there for about five, no, not five years, maybe like four years until I decided to do my own thing. I think what inspired me about starting my own endeavor was I always felt limited creatively when it came down to having that creative freedom to take campaigns where I wanted to go or Uh, work beyond the scope that I was handed by the owner of the company so I didn't want to have that freedom and just do things my way because I just had a vision and as a creator you know when you have a vision you just gotta get it out of you or you just (laughs) (laughs) so I had to I had to manifest it and it just it happened in a way where it was just the universe telling us that you know we should do it now because we did leave our jobs at the same time and it was just the perfect opportunity to do that. And we actually just dove in full force. Uh, we did not have any backup plans. We did not have a second job for a while until we decided, okay, we need a second job. But um, I that think, was the thing. Yeah, I think that just not having anything to fall back on was really beneficial to us because mm-hmm. we just had to make it work. And we did. Cool. And I guess I'm, I'm being a bit of a, a bad podcast host right now because i don't think i actually ever introduced what tableau is so when you guys decided to join forces (laughs) so like the plethora of skills that we have kind of lend really well to that so we're really all about just providing building growing upon um whatever digital presence our clients have so Mm -hmm. that could be through uh website design and development it could be uh, creative branding process, um, content creation, so that's photography, video production, and digital marketing, so that can be social media marketing, 
Google ads, email marketing, the whole shebang, basically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nice. Cool. That's really incredible. It's, it's always amazing and inspiring listening to people, how they're able to take their talents and their abilities and their knowledge and being able to follow through with them and going on their own path so they can have that creative and also professional fulfillment, you can say. And like so many of like artists and filmmakers that I know that I've looked up to, they were always had the mentality of being a self-starter, of being able to go out and do your own thing without any sort of fear or apprehension. It's always about going out and trying new things and learning about them as you go. And seeing as what you both have done with Tableau and your other creative pursuits, that's very inspiring to me. And what advice would you both have for how other types of creators and artists can use their talents and skills in a sort of entrepreneurial or self-starter context? It's funny, we've already had um, so many examples of that in our work. So we had a, um, a um, amazingly talented vegan chef and food photographer. Uh, his name is Dex. I actually forget his Instagram handle right now because he changed it recently. Yeah. We'll, we'll give you a link to that so you can put it somewhere. I think it's Dexter's okay, Vegan Chef. Something like that. Dexter McQueen is his name. And <laughs> his his work is just unbelievable. Looks like it comes straight out of a magazine. Mm. And um, we kept telling him, like, you're going to be huge. And your skills are, so, like, his skill set is just phenomenal. And um, we're always, like, trying to be people's cheerleaders sometimes <laughs> when they don't or they didn't have professional aspirations from whatever they were doing. I think a lot of people kind of stuck, stick themselves in this hobby mentality. I just do it for fun. Um, and you can still have fun while you work, although it's still a job, don't get me wrong. It's not like it's easy every day, but um, yeah, it's really just like, you gotta just go for it whether you feel confident enough or not and you're having second thoughts you're feeling that imposter syndrome just just work through it the first mm -hmm. time is the hardest time and it's just going to get a little bit easier every time mm -hmm. that's what i would say I don't yeah know. and it's always harder doing the things that you don't love and that you're not passionate about and always having that thought in your head what if i did pursue my true passion um, I actually was listening to a speech the other day, I think it was by Jim Carrey, he was talking about his dad, how he was an accountant, but he was actually a really funny guy, and he always wanted to be a comedian, and he ended up getting fired from his accounting job. So it's like, wouldn't you rather fail at something you are passionate about, rather than fail at something you absolutely hate, and then have maybe nothing to fall back on? Um, it's always worth that risk, and the beginnings are always the hardest part. You're going to hit the wall so many times, but you got to keep going and mm. you got to believe that it's going to work out because, you know, everyone's here serving something that is unique that no one else is able to offer. Um, there might be a lot of people being, for example, artists, but your style is different and it's unique to you. Your work is unique to you. So someone's always going to find value in that. And even if no one does, at least you do you know and you're enjoying the process ah uh, that's another thing enjoy the process <laughs> yeah for sure that's perfect wow yeah it's in so it's interesting you back to what something sandra was saying about how um people can get stuck in that hobby mentality 
and I see that a lot in my space. So I'm in like this kind of like maker community, like a lot of like woodworkers, leather workers, metal workers, um, a lot of people who are doing it on the side. And I think a lot of people are hesitant to really try to go full force with it because it's the income streams and finances of it are a little amorphous right now. Um, and yeah, there is, there is a bit of like, I think maybe that hesitation of turning, trying to turn your hobby into a career, people can sometimes come up with excuses for it um, where it's really like you just have self-doubt and you have the only way to get over that is to really try it. Um, and of course, not everyone's in a position to do that, but um, yeah, it's a tough thing to overcome. I'm also part of that maker community because I have a Etsy shop where I sell like accessories and dabbling in a little home decor now as well. And it was actually Sandra who because I've, again, it's one of those things I've always been making jewelry for myself and making my own, you know, Halloween costumes. And Sandra's like, can you make something for me? Why aren't you making a business out of this? Like, you need to start selling this to other people. And I just tried it. I was like, what do I have to lose? It, I mean, other than 47 cents to put a <laughs> listing on Etsy. <laughs> but so that's another piece of advice. Surround yourself with people who believe in you more than you believe in yourself. That's true. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Huh. Yeah. Sorry, I was just introspecting for a second. <laughs> yeah, same, same. I'm just, I was just thinking like, man, I think this can be a great title. So. <laughs> and, and that's incredible. So like, how do you feel like after you started doing it, after like getting some of that support and started doing it, how have you felt like afterward, now that you've been doing your stuff, putting on Etsy, actually just putting your stuff out there? Because sometimes, like, especially for me, when it comes to like showing things like, you know, like a documentary or a short film or a music video or something in those regards, like it can be feel it's exciting, but it's also anxiety inducing because you don't know, you want people to like it and love it, but it's sometimes just putting yourself out there can be really like into into the spotlight without sounding too corny but it can be really overwhelming in some ways as well so like how did it feel after really starting starting to show your work in that more public regard i'm just so so fortunate and privileged like some of the um you know accessory jewelry designers that i admired the most were giving me the most love and leaving me comments on everything i posted one of my biggest fashion uh, inspirations, Morgan Riley. Um, I did a collab with her at the beginning of this year, like right when COVID started, and she loved my work. I and it felt genuine. Um, so that was a little overwhelming, and now it's kind of gone in a different direction where I'm overwhelmed with people asking me for custom orders. And I'm not really able to create the things that I want to create anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm just like doing things that people are asking me for, which again is great, like no complaints. But I was just talking to Sandra right before this podcast about it, that I had a line that I want, like a collection that I wanted to release. And I just haven't found the time because I have custom orders coming in. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword sometimes. But that's also under my control. Like I can stop the custom orders whenever I want and I can take that time and come back and create the things that I want to do. Yeah, we had a guy on um, a couple of weeks ago, John Kaipoff, who does a lot of, he actually has a kind of similar background to you, Stacey. He started in web development and now he's kind of freelancing. Um, and 
he, I think he got a lot of customers as well and was kind of overwhelmed by it. And um, it seems like it can be, once you start getting all those orders, it's really exciting. But he's like, he's like, I can't, I have no time for what I want to do now. So he kind of, his philosophy now is like one for me, one for them. Um, which I do, I do like as well. I kind of have that in the back of my head now. It really sounds like a platitude, but those little like heuristics where you can kind of fall back on when you're in like a decision-making mode can be super helpful. That's a really good thing to keep in mind. Yeah. You did it with your art too. Yes. Cause <laughs> I, I'm an artist, so I paint and I do a lot of commission work and I was doing a lot of commission work before, but after I started my own business, I kind of put that to the sideline. And I try to paint when I can, but the thing about me and painting, I don't know if it's the same for all artists, but I can't just sit down and paint for two hours because once I start, I can't drop the brush. But then I also have to keep in mind that I have to be up early in the morning to start working. And uh, just having that as, you know, the a timeline in terms of how long it can do it for, it gets in the way of me really creating. So I have not been creating uh, or painting as much as I would love to. So that's something I'm actually just working on. I'm figuring out a way to manage my time better so that I'm able to dedicate time to my painting as well as Tableau Creative. So it's, I will make it happen. I'm just going to figure out how. Without the <laughs> sleep deprecation? Yeah, because I don't yeah. sleep. But yeah. it's all worth it. <laughs> It's it's funny because like I'm in the same boat. There's so many nights where I said, okay, I'm gonna go to bed by this time so I can wake up and start early. And next thing you know, I'm like writing or editing a video or a podcast at like two and two and two in the morning. It just happens all the time. It's not something you can avoid. I think sometimes, like I don't know. I usually get really productive at night. Like once you're in that sort of creative mindset and that zone, you're focused. It's hard to stop. Like it's like you need something to kind of like physically. Okay, enough. Enough's enough. And it's interesting how you mentioned, because like, you're doing a lot of this interesting and amazing uh, marketing and creative work for Tableau. And I was wondering, like, how do you balance both your creative creativity for your business as well as for your own personal projects? Do you find it's difficult trying to find the time and energy, trying to balance both? How do you do it? I'm going to let you start. Um, I personally, I am not complaining because I feel like the work that I do for my clients are in a way me just creating and I feel as though that's what I intended to do when I first you know joined forces with Stacy and started Tableau because when I lacked creative freedom at work it also it just felt like work and now that I'm doing it and I have full control over creativity and I'm doing the things that I love and I can actually choose what to do um, it allows me to still feel that fulfillment but not feel like I'm lacking anything of course painting is different i have pieces hanging on my wall staring at me waiting for me to get back to them and yeah that that does you know i have that itch to paint but i when i'm working i don't feel like i'm not creating i don't feel like i'm working i feel like yeah i am working but i'm loving it you know i'm really passionate that's it it's such a weird mentality that we have that like oh it doesn't feel like work if we're enjoying it does that mean work intrinsically has to be miserable like that's how society yeah. makes us feel when people are like i'm going to work they wake up and they get dressed and they leave they come back i'm tired and i was there so i get that you know but it is a it is a stigma that work is work you know yeah well i think i mean in the past 20 years as as kind of like individual entrepreneurship is m more accessible than it has been at least in in 
especially with the internet. Um, people, I think, have started to realize that. And I think if, if anything, COVID has made people realize that more. Like, he, working does not have to look like working used to. And um, mm. it's, really, it's really shaken up what a workday could look like. So, I mean, if we get anything out of this, I think it might be that <laughs> the traditional workday is a little, a little gone. Yeah. Ryan, to answer your question, like, I don't have a, uh, people won't be satisfied with this answer, but I'm a very type A personality. For those of you who are listening to the podcast, I have this wall of sticky notes behind me. <laughs> I'm looking at that. <laughs> um, I, we also use like a project management software and I also write to-do lists on paper every day. Like I'm going to set aside half an hour for yoga and meditation and I have to eat at these times every day. If I don't have a, if I don't stick to a very specific schedule, I get very irritable. So that's just the way I, I have to function. That's the way I've like always been since I was a kid with my little agenda. Um, so for me, like, time management is almost an obsession but it's it's habitual so it's kind of easy for me no for sure and it's it's clear that everyone's different that everyone's like you know lifestyle and the way they approach the creativity is always different so it's interesting hearing different types of perspectives in that way too yeah it's something i've kind of struggled with recently because my girlfriend and i almost work opposite schedules now um in that she is she's working from like 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. And I'm working from home, but feel very productive in the mornings. So I have to be like super intentional about like setting a, cause I'll get, I might get up at seven, like have breakfast and then really just want to go. And she can tell like when we're having breakfast, I'm kind of like starting to like edge away and do my own thing. So like we've, we've just gotten like super intentional about setting aside times in the morning where we like go for a walk. And it's literally impossible for me to like look over to the other side of the room and want to start working on something. Um, it's tough yeah like because it would be a lot easier if we if we both had the same schedule but um i don't think it's necessary because sandra and i i'm like you morley i'm a morning person and sandra's like you ryan she's uh she's the most creative <laughs> late so at night they're like us <laughs> <laughs> we're mirror images, images of each, of each other, other. <laughs> you're a morley and i'm a ryan is that cool? <laughs> um yeah there is i think there's a stereotype that a lot of creative people and artists like work best at night, but it's just, you know, different strokes, different folks. We all, it's just about identifying when you feel most productive and most in the zone and just work with that. But that's yeah. the luxury of having the flexibility of working on your own schedule. You get to choose. For sure. And that's something that has been a huge help for me recently is trying to identify those parts of the day when I feel productive in different ways. This is going to, I feel like I'm just chock full of platitudes today, but um, someone, <laughs> someone recently told me is like one big productivity thing for him has been if he doesn't want to be doing something, he, oh my God, this sounds so stupid. If he doesn't want to be doing something, he doesn't do that thing. He only does the thing he wants to do in that moment. And I think until you are, you have total control over your own schedule that will sound like a platitude. But once you do, you're like, oh my God, I should just, if I can switch gears between 10 different things, I should just be switching those gears. There's no reason. It's like something my grandma used to say about books. She was an author and she always said, there are too many books out there to waste your time reading a bad book. If a book is bad, put it down, pick up a new one. Wow. Sorry. Yeah, like, <laughs> I get what you're saying, that that can sound really frustrating to other people. And sometimes you just have deadlines and you got to meet them. 
Yeah. yeah. But sometimes I just really don't, am not into what it is that I'm doing. And cleaning my windows seems like a very productive use of my time right now. So I just get up and do it. And I'll thank yeah. myself for it later because at least I got it done, right? Right. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of folks that are working from home now who didn't before are seeing that they have a little more flexibility or control over their schedule. And it is very freeing in a way, but it can also be a little overwhelming if you're not used to it. Because I did start working from home almost a year before the whole lockdown quarantine started. So I feel like I got a head start and a lot of my friends have been asking me like, how do you do this? <laughs> but it takes a little practice. Yeah, no, uh, for me, it was a little bit harder to do that because I always worked in our office. So I'd wake up and go to work and then come back home um, and just have my own time. But I think I think working with Stacy um, <laughs> really, it, it's like an anchor for me in a way now I'm able to do that more I'm able I wake up every morning and I you know dedicate the time that I need to to work before it was more like my work day will drag on to the middle of the night even like overnight and then um yeah so for me it wasn't it wasn't as easy to be able to do that but now I'm able to get a better hang of it I feel like once you do something for a while you train your brain you start to reprogram it in a way where you're able to do certain things that you weren't able to do before but it's definitely something you need to work on it's not something that happens overnight it took me a while to be able to do that so now i feel like i definitely have better control over that but it's a process for sure yeah that's how i feel about ryan i go on rambling tangents and ryan anchors me back down (laughs) (laughs) yin and yang perfect balance that's awesome i love to see that (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's good to i mean it's great i can't do it alone no neither could i neither could i but that's why it's so interesting and that's why it's like so awesome putting different types of uh drawing different inspiration and working with different types of people all the time because like you never know what could happen you know sometimes working with different people could lead to amazing creative opportunities that you could never expect you could ever process and it's always fun to just experiment like i love working with different types of people all the time whether they're different um different you know cinematographer different actors whatever you know different types of stories and subjects it's always so much fun what are some of the where this is something i wanted to ask you guys like where are some of the artistic and creative inspirations that you like to incorporate into your work either for tableau or for your own personal projects where are your some styles and artists that you like to draw upon there's so many but one thing that does tie it all together in terms of tableau creative is our brand is a true authentic representation of who we are. I mean, we haven't really invested as much time into branding as we should, even though we're a creative agency, we just let things speak for themselves. And it's interesting because the people that do come across us, they are able to distinguish who we are and what we're like without us even having to set that tone. Um, We just be, and we're very passionate about the environment. We are very passionate about conscious businesses and sustainability. Um, and that's something that we intended to focus on as a niche when we first started Tableau. However, um, you know, starting a business and then having a niche right away when you're looking for clients, when that's your bread and butter, it was not really something that we were advised to do. 
And then somehow, magically, the universe responded to us. And all our clients, without us even intentionally doing it, are all conscious businesses. They're all very aware of their impact on the environment and on communities. They do a lot of community work for people and um, the environment. They give back a lot. And we are very blessed to be able to work with people like that. But it's also because that's who we are and we embody that and we put it out as our authentic self that it just attracts more of that to us. So um, I would say a lot of our clients inspire us to try different things. Um, You know, we have one client that comes to mind that always wants to try different platforms test things out do a comparative analysis and decide which tool is the best one for the job Mm -hmm. so we are always given these opportunities to try things see what works see what fails experiment um and they're not afraid of you know making mistakes or i i hesitate to even say losing a little money along the way because what you learn actually saves you a lot of money down the road as opposed to being very rigid and only wanting to do things um you know the way that maybe has worked for you in the past um i would say honestly like my some of my biggest my two biggest inspirations were my old bosses um and this is i guess why the paradigm of having a miserable job doesn't resonate with me because again, just pouring with privilege. Um, The first job I had fresh out of college, I hadn't even graduated yet, actually, um, was with a very small agency. There were four of us when we started and it grew to almost 13 people um, when actually they decided to end the business. And I still work with them. I still talk to them all the time. They're like very good friends of mine. So I learned a lot about how to run a business, how I got to see the mistakes that were being made and um, we made a lot of mistakes, but I learned so much and I use a lot of the tools that we used there and the way that they motivate um, their employees. I learned so much from that. Um, I'm just like, for the rest of my life, so, so, so grateful to have those two influences on my life. They were amazing people. So they taught me a lot about freelancing, about the agency life and the kind of agency that we wanted to be and the kind that we didn't want to be. I think that's kind of what Sandra yeah. was getting at. Um, that's, we've had, you know, we've worked with, I guess, like consultants, um, search engine optimization, uh, consultants and other digital marketing agencies that just gave us horrible experiences, mm-hmm. um, you know, for a plethora of reasons. Again, they might have been rigid in their um, their practices or just not communicative enough. And that's something that is very, very, very important to us, just keeping open communication and just being like, real like not using especially in the web world and digital marketing there's so much jargon and you never (laughs) want to make people feel intimidated or confused they don't know what the contract they're signing says 
Um, that's something that we feel really mm -hmm. strongly about. So yeah. we'll take a month if we have to before we start a relationship with a client, though we're actually building that relationship the whole time um, by just educating, informing where we can and trying to also create an environment where people feel comfortable asking questions. Because mm -hmm. um, sometimes people, again, if you're starting a business, you might feel a little bit of imposter syndrome. You don't really feel confident in yourself. So you might be afraid to ask questions. Um, so we just try to break those barriers down, just keep it super real. And uh, we always, we say we're professional, but we're informal. You know, you're just like talking to people and we'll yeah. work through things together. So you guys, how long have you um, been doing Tableau as like in a collaboration? Um, we started working on Tableau as an idea in September when we left our jobs, but we actually were working on not just the branding, the website, building that and setting up some um, things for operation, you know, the systems that we use and all that. So that took us maybe two or three months. And then we actually launched Tableau on New Year's. We spent New Year's Eve together. And that was the <laughs> night that we just launched everything. That's so awesome. uh, oh. yeah, January 1st was when we did it. And wow. so, so the majority of the business has been kind of during like a very challenging time to start a new business. So like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure this didn't really start how you expected, right? I mean, when you had this idea in September, there's no way you could have seen this coming. No, and we were in discussion with a lot of different people before COVID and everyone had to put everything on hold. So we lost a lot of deals during that time. However, um, during that time, our businesses were more needed or our service was more needed than ever. And the clients that were already signed up with us, they needed a lot more things. So in that time, we were actively working. And it was definitely a challenge, not only because it was COVID. It was something that no one's ever faced before, having everything shut down. And then um, for us, it was, okay, scratch out all the plans that we had set out in the beginning of the contractual agreement. So now we have to just be proactive and act fast. And how are we going to make this work? So it was a challenge. Uh, we learned so much along the way and so did our clients and we I can honestly say we we're really happy with how things turned out and how we handled the situation but in the moment it, there was so much uncertainty but you just you just gotta swim you gotta keep going mm -hmm. <laughs> so a lot of our clients were taking their plans like one month at a time because mm -hmm. that was as far into the future as they could plan and they for. changed all the time too yeah Wow. So uh, that's good. That sounds like you kind of have like, I mean, you're speaking in the past tense, like you're good now. Like you're like, you found this kind of a lane to, to swim in. Mm, I think we just weren't sure where it's going to go. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, of course, but um, that's great to hear. There's, there's this like methodology in the software world. So this is like three or four years back that I first started hearing about it called agile. Um, there's like a whole manifesto online with certain principles that they follow. So it's not a procedural thing. It's more just like a philosophy of, like I said, being flexible. Um, mm -hmm. If you have a plan and it doesn't work, you got to scratch it out, try something new, improvise, think on your feet. That, that's what it's all about.
Yeah, for sure. I actually yeah. have the uh, the lean startup on my bookshelf over there. And um, one thing I've I've talked to some of my friends in the maker community is like I feel like all of us who were to a certain extent pursuing our maker thing as some sort of business were very well positioned more so than other people when like coronavirus hit. I mean, like for one, practically like can be a little more self sufficient than the average person. But I like in a way we're all kind of running our own little lean startup. We're all very we're a very agile, quick one man operation, one person operation who can um, switch gears and is very used to that and working in like an uncertain new environment. Yeah, yeah. It's like you have to follow the idea of like Murphy's law: whatever can go wrong will go wrong. So and always trying to find new ways to adapt to that. Yeah, and always focusing on learning, like you guys have said. Like that's such an important uh, way of thinking. As a developer, that was my my job was to be given things that I had no idea how to do. And you just Google it, find some <laughs> forum, reverse engineer some person's code and like figure it out as you go. So, um, you know, that's what they tell you. The most valuable skill you learn in school is how to learn. It's not necessarily the actual skills that you learn. <laughs> Yeah, I'm starting to realize that now, <laughs> about a year out of school. <laughs> I never heard that. That's actually, yeah, so true. For sure. It's so interesting because I do marketing and communications as well. That's been my academic and professional background at the moment. Just seeing how things change so rapidly and so quickly in this sort of like world, especially in terms when it comes to social media and other parts. Like I was just thinking the other day, Instagram was only invented 10 years ago. And look at how it's this juggernaut of marketing and advertising like we've ever seen before. So I was wondering, like, where are some of the, ch how do you find it kind of challenging to keep up with the constantly changing trends for platforms for marketing, whether it's like, you know, social media or like SEO or web developments or content creation and developing new strategies for each one and for different clients who may or may not see the value in different types of approaches? Because even for me, like I learned I love web design. I can do web design all day now. It's so much fun to do. But so yeah, just what are your, some of your thoughts on that? You just opened a whole can of worms there. Like which- <laughs> Let's do it, let's dive let's in. Let's do it. Let's go down that rabbit hole. What direction could I go into? Oh my goodness. Um, I, it used to be like my LinkedIn bio, like committed to lifelong learning because that's just the way it is. I mean, really you gotta just take it one day at a time. That's the biggest thing. Like. And I, so I, uh, I've worked with a charity called Ladies Learning Code for almost six years now. Um, I was teaching with them and I built a little bit of curriculum with them too, but they're for total beginners. Every workshop is for, we assume that you know how to write an email and that's about it. And we'll teach you how to build a website in six hours. <laughs> so obviously it's not perfect by the time the six hours is done, but the approach I really take is you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to get everything at once. I myself, I am a very slow learner. I'm actually studying for my G1 right now. <laughs> and it for the non-Canadian listeners, that's like your, your first driver's lesson, driver's license, right? It's the written test before you're allowed to step into a vehicle. Right. Um, and yeah, it takes me a long time, but I just keep, you just keep practicing over and over again. So it's really, imagine you're like on a river uh, to come with the platitudes here. Again. <laughs> you're like, there's many stepping stones. You really got to just 
sometimes looking at the big picture is gonna make you feel defeated, but you've got to just look at the step that's right in front of you. So if it's learning about a new tool or a new social media platform or, um, you know, new piece of software, you don't have to be great at it at first. It's just one step at a time. And there's so many resources out there these days to learn any skill you want. You just have to be committed to it. It just takes a lot of time. Yeah, and to add on to that, I think it's important to be open to trying new things because right now there's a lot of different platforms that are emerging and each one can serve a different purpose. So as long as you're working with people that are willing to experiment, which we're fortunate to have, um, then just take those opportunity and really dabble in different things to see what works best because everything does change every day and you'll never know if you don't try, so. Neat. As so as the as the um sole person who ha- probably has the least amount of foots in the feet in the marketing and branding worlds, um, do you think there's certain things that like a lot of people or that most people misunderstand about marketing and branding as a whole? Like, is there a lot of like knowledge gaps that you guys feel you have to you have to breach? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. I think. The main thing is they don't understand or a lot of people don't, they're just in such a rush to get things off the ground. They want to skip steps that are actually very important. Uh, When it comes down to branding, especially, there's a lot of different parts that build the whole foundation. So you need to pay extra attention to all these different steps in order to build that foundation because everything that follows will play off of that brand you did build. So, um, you know, I, I do, I do understand that, you know, getting a business off the ground, we're all excited and we do want to do it as fast as possible, but sometimes that's not the case because you need to take greatness does not happen overnight (laughs) and you need to take your time to build things and focus on every small detail because all that work needs to be done in the beginning and then you get the ball rolling, you're going to be rolling. That's fine. But, um, you need to invest that time, especially in the beginning, to build that foundation up. So that's one thing in terms of branding and then in terms of marketing as well. I think it all definitely does play off of the same, um, not issue, but more challenge and hurdle because everyone needs to be on the same page if you're working with a team and you need to go at the same pace. And um, if everyone has their own specialty we gotta really you know let them do their thing and take their time with it if we want a good product to come out of it so that is that is what i have to say Mm -hmm. and i think also trying to take other people's perspectives in mind because when you're starting a business it's your baby and it feels like um sometimes people equate their brand a little too much with themselves as an individual Mm -hmm but they need to think about or consider where this business is gonna go. Are you going to grow your team? Are you going to have um, you know, people with different responsibilities? How are you gonna delegate those responsibilities? So if it's just starting with you today, that's not, you know, that might not be where your aspirations are 
for the future. So developing a brand and setting a tone of voice, you know, are you, um, are you a bank? Then you probably want something more, um, you want your brand to evoke a sense of trust. If you're creating, I don't know, toys for kids, you want to be kind of playful and whimsical. Um, so you need to establish that tone of voice. That's a big part of the branding process as well. People focus on the visuals a lot. They think it's just like a logo and some colors, but it's more like, what is your mission? What are your values? And when your team grows, how do you transfer that, you know, that voice, that personality to the rest of your team? Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, sometimes people come to us thinking that the website is the most important thing. But if you don't have a brand established first, you really can't design a good website or if anything, you'll have to redesign it again later. So a lot of times what we try to, um, we try to establish a relationship of trust so that people can feel comfortable again, giving their baby to us, yeah. but remembering that, and I'm sure Morley, you understand this as a maker too you're not just making things for you. Um, and sometimes you kind of get stuck in your own perspective and you forget who your target audience is and how different messages are gonna resonate with different people. So once we have that uh, trust, we can kind of bounce ideas off each other and uh, collaborate and see this thing to fruition. Yeah, it's really, I mean, it's really easy just to get tunnel vision and kind of forget that there are other people that are involved i feel like it's only after a couple years of making videos and kind of showing people my process that i'm now really getting strategic and thinking about like okay why is someone coming to this video and what might they get out of it and how might they get that out of it and it's just being able to step outside and not be so precious about your baby that's something another platitude this is the episode of platitudes that's really helped me as well it's just like don't be so <laughs> precious about it and um i mean it's hard not to be i yeah. i get it as tab i feel like tableau is my baby right so yeah. i get that but i love what you said there about the why one of our clients focuses on that all the time like with every instagram post it's like let's not focus on the what what's the why here like what is the message that we're trying to get across? And it's not just like selling a product, you know, it's it's something deeper than that, or at least that's what they, that's the way they see it. And it, that's inspired me a lot too. And so true what you mentioned about how a brand's not just about being a fancy logo or a bunch of graphics. It's really about the core identity and how you're being able to communicate that authentically and honestly. And it's true for, even for creators as well, even for like Morley himself, like we're even it blurs the line when it comes to creative individuals because it blurs the, the, the boundaries between personalities and brands and how we're trying to establish ourselves, but at the same time trying to remove ourselves from it as well, trying to see things, not with tunnel vision as Morley mentioned, but trying to see our work as for what it is. So it's interesting how we're trying to balance that all the time, whether it's through Tableau and your business, but also with your own personal creative work as well. It's it's always a tricky balance, but like all creators, I guess, are brands as well because it's just their core identities. Like someone like Quentin Tarantino, is a brand because he has a very particular way of making films the way he makes films. You know, no one else could do it like the way he does. So 
It's interesting because how you're, we're always trying to like separate that so that from ourselves, but also trying to understand that's a part of ourselves as well. It's a it's a tricky balance for sure. Well, I think a good analogy is like an artist. Like I feel like if an if if you went a hundred percent the artist route and forgot about the viewer in any extent, you might work in a painting in a room with no windows for 20 years and never show it to anyone. But at a certain point, like you have to show that painting to someone, right? That, I mean, yeah, living in this influencer culture, people are kind of obsessed with their personal brand. Um, I feel like anyways, there's a total lack of authenticity there. And sometimes the people who are the best at branding are um, not the best individuals i don't know i might be getting like really obscure here but some of the artists that i appreciate the most like a band uh fugazi just did not give a i can't curse on this show about (laughs) what other people thought of them and they would turn down record deals all the time and they refused to move on their song titles they refused to sell merch but, you know, 20 years later, they've left such a legacy on the punk genre. So um, I think, you know, and they certainly didn't, um, they were not rich people by any means, right? But I don't measure success monetarily. So for me, it's if you're leaving an influence on people, um, if you want to create your art and you don't care about what people think about your art, go for it. I, I appreciate it. I'm here for it. Get that money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, I think, I don't know if you explicitly said it, but like just talking about authenticity and people are, it, it's amazing how we have such a gauge for authenticity. Like you can tell when it's there. You might not care if it's there for a certain Instagram influencer or whatever, but, um, if you're really, I mean, if you really care about the brand and having an um, impact on people, like authenticity is so important. I, and I'm guessing that's something that you guys are really trying to inject into a business is getting that authenticity out to the people that might uh, patronize the business. Yeah, it's definitely something that can be felt for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember my first gig out of college, it was to be Winnie Harlow's executive assistant and during that time it was such a big thing for me because I was a fan of her work and I actually applied for the job on Instagram she had posted uh, and I figured a lot of people would do it there's no chance I would win but I ended up becoming her assistant and um, I would get ready for fashion shows and you know coordinate things with designers and so on but during that time I was trying so hard being a, a young person out of school with a big responsibility to be someone that I was not at the time and I feel like um, it was definitely something that could be sensed because the days that I did co- come in for my meetings just being myself and not really like dressed up all formal with you know a button-up shirt and so on were the days that people enjoyed what I had to bring to the table the most and that was the moment I realized no the days that I do come in and I'm just being myself everybody just you know, wants to hear what I have to say and, you know, they take me more seriously. But like the days that I don't feel comfortable because I'm trying to be someone that I'm not are those days where I feel like um, I'm not perceived as authentic as 
you know, I should. And that was really a pivotal point for me because that's a mental note that I took and applied for the rest of my life. There was, you know, since then I never really like tried to be someone I'm not. If anything, I just was myself unapologetically and uh, whether people thought it was appropriate or not, um, it, I definitely have no regrets. So that is something I definitely would want to highlight in this podcast for anyone who's listening, uh, just always be yourself. And if you're not, it, people can tell. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And that's amazing. And now you contrast that with like what you guys are doing with the incredible work with Tableau. Like you can feel also the passion coming from it as well. Like I was looking at your website. I'm just like, this website's so well done. I love the look. I love the style of it. It's really well done. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's one of my favorite sites I've ever worked on. I can imagine. That's great. Because I got to just do what I wanted, you know, like that was one of the first websites where I really got to just go for it and Sandra really built that foundation with the brand so it was just effortless really imagine how much awesome this is if everybody just truly got to do everything the way they want to do and there was just creative freedom in every field um just imagine what would come out of that you know yeah I mean I think it's tough I think some people I think some people do like a certain amount of structure and and not everyone has the same level of like internal creative motivation some people are more into making other people's visions kind of come a reality um but it's tough like i i definitely relate to feeling out of place and i think i just needed to go through the experience of like like this past fall i was at a job where i just shouldn't have been but i would never have known that until i got into that job and was like why am i sitting at my desk just like shaking my leg and feeling like almost paralyzed and i would i didn't like in hindsight it's so easy to look back and be like i shouldn't have taken that job but um no i kind of needed to there's no way you would have known yeah 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 and it shows it just goes to show that all experiences are valuable because you're always learning about something and even if it's a bad experience it's still a good experience in the sense that you learn something you understand a better part of yourself and you know in your heart what you should be doing and what whatever path you choose to go down that will give you that sense of fulfillment i think everyone has to go through that especially creative types as well yeah that's something i really struggle with is um anytime i find a better way to do something my first reaction is like oh i wish i did this sooner because then i could have avoided all this annoyance in the past and it's i don't know it's not it's not a great way of thinking because you're right like all experiences are valuable you know and i can assure you you're not the only one who's thought that (laughs) (laughs) yes for sure (laughs) i do that all the time it's just the getting started is always the hardest part and you know just just do it all right well with just do it i think that's a a good point to segue uh to our next segment of the show which is um what we are putting into the spotlight this week um yeah so i don't know ryan did you want to kick that off absolutely just let me finish my swig of water sorry i should have been looking at the zoom call (laughs) it's okay it's okay all this talk of inspiration is getting me dehydrated (laughs) all right so for my into the spotlight this week i wanted to put the focus on the television show mad men Uh, it's one of my favorite television shows and i think it's one of the best television series of all time because it examines just how flawed individuals can be how people are always hiding different parts of their lives how they're always presenting one side of their life publicly and always hiding their true selves to like you know to their own personal lives and you see how you have that constant clash between public and private personas but also it's also a fascinating examination of 
the cultural events from of America from 1959 all the way up till 1970 and all the massive changes that come through that how it examines the rampant sexism and racism and all the, all the other horrific um, elements of that time period but the reason I want to put um, a spotlight for this episode is simply because of how it deals with advertising with marketing with messaging because if you want to learn a lot about how marketing and advertising and copywriting is such an interesting show because you see how all of these ideas for big brands and businesses all the messaging that we're bombarded with today there's a lot of parallels and inspiration that comes from that show how it takes marketing campaigns from like say lucky strike cigarettes to uh selling you know heinz ketchup to cars to airplanes everything else how how sex is used as an advertising tool it's so interesting to learn about this there's also an interesting um, parallel to like social media now because there's a character on the show who talks about like oh we should put advertisements on television and all the old uh executives look at him as if he's crazy why would we put ads on television and as it becomes bigger and bigger you see how that evolves so if you want to learn see how how big advertising is plays a role in our society it's an interesting show to watch how these people come up with ideas to sell an idea an emotion and a sense of feeling rather than the product itself it's really amazing how it does that yeah I need to rewatch it. It's been a while. <laughs> I've never seen it, so I will definitely watch it. It's, it's pretty good. It's pretty right good. Right up her alley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, I will go next. Um, all right, I had two book recommendations, but I'm gonna go with the second because it's a little more topical. Um, so a new book came out this year. Uh, it's by Adam Davidson, who actually started Planet Money. If you know me, you know I'm a big Planet Money podcast fan. Um. The book is called The Passion Economy, New Rules for Thriving in the 21st Century. Um, so it, I wasn't originally going to recommend this, but after our conversation, I was like, wow, this is so in line with everything we've been talking about. And it's a really interesting book. He kind of talks about how starting a business in 2020, I mean, this book came out this year. Um, it's totally a different animal from... 10 or 20 years ago. He actually makes this really interesting comparison where starting a business now is more like the late 1800s than it is at any point in the 20th century because businesses are so much more specific, um, story-oriented, and there's all these niches that people are finding that um, you couldn't really expect. Uh, so it's a lot of interesting case studies, but I actually found the most value from it in the first couple chapters where he talks about um, pricing and how pricing is a very uncomfortable conversation for a lot of creatives who business might not be their forte. But if you really make it a conversation and really try to dive into the value that you're creating and not focus on like, I should be charging three times material or I should be charging this hourly ambiguous hourly rate, um, it can really alleviate the pressure. And I honestly think just like that first few chapters is reason enough to take a look at this book. But it's really interesting. They do case studies on like, I don't know, this uh, this chocolate company in Brooklyn that's like, this guy was really frustrated with how bad Snickers bars are. He's like, no, we need a good candy bar. Or um, this person who is making farming equipment for the Amish community in the Midwest because no one else was serving this niche, which is something you might think is like not a modern day business, but um, it, it is. So it's really interesting. Yeah, I would, I would recommend it for anyone who is going out on their own, who is turning their creative pursuit into a hobby it, it was definitely a, a valuable read for me i love that uh, yeah. i forget this is a podcast so people 
when Morley was talking about creatives not knowing how to price themselves, Sandra and I were nodding very hard. <laughs> it's it's like the question, what's your rate triggers PTSD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's tough, but it's it's a process. Uh yeah, uh Sandra Stacy, what about you? I was totally not prepared for this and I'm really sorry <laughs> if you had sent me this question and I overlooked it. Um I don't know if you have one in mind. I, I do. Okay, you go first. So to just fill the gap, it could be like any sort of artist that inspired you recently, any book or movie or something you saw or someone you just think like needs a little more attention on them. Okay, so mine would be Steven Pressfield. He has a few books, actually. There's The War of Art, Turning Pro, and Do the Work. They're all about facing resistance as a creative, and he speaks about how... Um, the difference between an artist who creates and an artist, and this could be applied to business, it could be applied to anything, really. Um, the differentiator between being that and a pro is that you have to face resistance and overcome it because you know people are relying on you and you have something to deliver. So it just breaks down what resistance is um, and really helps you gain a perspective on how to approach it and how to overcome it and how to just do it no matter um, no matter how hard it is because that's that's what you gotta do. So he has a bunch of books on resistance and I feel like I face it a lot to be honest. Um, I face it when I'm about to do something important, something I value a lot and I feel like a lot of people can relate to that just because um, some more than others but when you truly value something a lot and you're facing it, it does. It, it is a little bit scary, but you just gotta do it. You gotta just do it. Just do it. <laughs> Back to what brought us here. Oh, we're in a full circle, but yeah. yeah. You're the, you're the second person to heavily recommend The War of Art to me, and it's funny. I I looked it up and like it was actually kind of a hard book to find. I feel like it's not. It, it's not a super popular book, but the people that have recommended to you were like, this book is so important. It's so <laughs> important. And I actually ordered it uh, online and I got two books by accident. So I can give you one. Oh, oh wow. Oh, amazing. I'm definitely going to check that book out for sure. <laughs> you can share it. <laughs> <laughs> Read it to each other. That's super cool. <laughs> um, mine is definitely not art related, but he just passed away like two weeks ago. So it feels like a uh, missed opportunity not to bring him up. Um, his name is Michael Brooks. So he hosted his own podcast, The Michael Brooks Show. Uh, he was also a co-host on a show called The Majority Report. Um, so they're both political podcasts. He um, is kind of unapologetically a socialist, um, you know, a progressive. That's what I refer to myself as, my political uh, philosophy and what I loved about him so much um, in contrast to you know other independent media outlets um, or independent youtubers who talk about politics he didn't focus so much on um, America as a vacuum he really put everything into a global context so when we're looking at 
you know, the police brutality that's going on in America or the protests in, um, you know, uh, in, in protest against that, um, he really connected that to foreign policy and had such a depth of knowledge of history. He was one of those people who just like, when he read something, he absorbed it and maintained it. And um, yeah, it's, it was so, and he was young too. And especially like, you know, it wasn't COVID. It was just like um, a random health uh, thing that can happen to anyone. And it kind of reminds you of your mortality in these in this um very uncomfortable way that mm -hmm. you really just got really have to appreciate every moment that you're living in and let the people who inspire you and who motivate you and who support you know how much you appreciate them every minute that you can yeah. um so that really just like solidified that for me um, so yes, uh, just to say it again, his name is Michael Brooks. He also just released a book called Against the Web. Um, I'm not a big fan of Amazon, so I used to buy all my books from the BMV. Uh, for anyone who's not living in Toronto, it's like a secondhand, a used bookstore. Wonderful store. And they usually get new books a little bit later than everybody else. Um, so I, I have a order in and I just kind of have to wait until a generous person um, donates that book so that <laughs> I can I can get my hands on it. Um, actually, the website that was, it was like an independent bookstore that was selling it. The day he died, they crashed the website. So <laughs> people have been, um, I'm sure it like sold out pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, I would highly recommend looking into that. Cool. Yeah, I feel like it it's always a sobering experience when like someone young and you feel like at the prime of their career passes away. I mean, I don't know if you guys know Grant Imahara of Mythbusters. He was like a special effects artist. Oh yeah. Was that like he last month of, he passed away? Yeah. Just of a freak brain aneurysm. And um, yeah, really makes you think, tell the people you love, you love them. Don't take anything for granted. Every moment, <laughs> every moment is precious. I'm giving right, you guys I'll, virtual I'll you hugs. Yeah. <laughs> no, like I, I admire so much that you guys just like took this leap and started this thing from this idea you had sitting in traffic. And especially when a lot of us are stuck at home now, having these conversations makes us feel a little less lonely, a little more supported. Um, so I appreciate that you guys are doing this project and uh, that you even thought of us to uh, bring us on to this episode. So. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank sure. you. And thank you. Thank you. You guys have been awesome and wonderful guests. We got yeah. to hang out once this whole pandemic is over because I want to learn so much more from you guys. I'm sure Morley feels the same way. I wish you guys all the professional and personal success in all of your creative endeavors. And I'm pretty sure we're going to have you guys back on the show pretty soon anyway. Awesome. Awesome. We love yeah. that. We would love that. Yeah. That was so much fun. All right, so Sandra and Stacy, where can the people find you and where can they find Tableau Creative? So you can follow us on Instagram at Tableau, that's T-A-B-L-O, creative. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, 
YouTube, all under the same name. Sorry, I was looking at the Facebook group. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So, yeah, so um, you can find us at Tableau Creative, but we also have a Facebook group. It's called The Unconventional Creatives, which is a community that we're building about being a creative that is unconventional and just being able to sustain yourself off of your passions and pursue the life that you dream of pursuing by following your dreams. So yeah, that's a group on Facebook that you can join. Uh, We try to put out interviews with people in video format at least once a month. We're trying. And uh, Ryan and Morley here just inspired me to maybe uh, distribute that as a podcast as well. Awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely join that. So I'll put that in the show notes and um, people join that. You'll see me there. Already subscribe. Awesome. <laughs> really awesome. appreciate it. Great. You'll be able to meet a lot of other creatives as well in that group. So that's awesome. Yeah, I feel like yeah, those communities are are like I've I've kind of tried to start some of those throughout the years, but it's it's um it's tricky. And a place where actually people join on is very valuable. Well, exactly. Especially for what I do with like trying to do filmmaking. Like you're, it's a team sport. You always need people to collaborate with. So if there's anyone inspiring actor or you know cinematographer or editor anyone like that musician i'd love to work with you sweet okay and you can find us as a podcast at oh i'm forgetting is it into the spotlight podcast on instagram that that is the one all right sweet and uh you can find me at morley kurt and ryan where can people find you people can find me on instagram at rye o'connor that is r-y dot o-c-o-n-n-o-r and you can find me at twitter on uh, uh, wait, give me a sec. Oh, yes, it's at Ryan O'Connor at 08. Nice. And we'll definitely have this written down next time. For sure. <laughs> but that's why I come into the spotlight for the unscripted uh, rawness of it. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this has been a blast. Likewise. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Yeah.